0: Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Railwaymen Podcast. As is becoming tradition, I asked you to send in your thoughts after the Blackpool game. We had loads of people this week, so I'm going to try and whiz through as many as possible. Tim Green, Dave Clotterbuck, and our own Tim Robinson all commented on what a tough game it was against the Blackpool team, who, as Andy Priest said, came with a game plan and worked it well. Our panellist, Aaron Lewis, praised the great piece of team play for the goal but thought overall we were second best. Ant Copeland mentions how the previous week can't have been the best prep, with a lack of training making the difference. Ant Critchley chose to comment on the coaching currently at Crewe saying all crew sides would have lost that game, with Andrew Copeland following that theme, saying we didn't play great, but we got the point. Andrew Scoffin and Malcolm Edge were in agreement with each other that the referee missed a Stonewall penalty for a pullback on Ainley. Thank you for all of those who sent those in. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. Another busy pod today then. We'll talk about another aborted trip to Oxford before moving on to the Blackpool game. Although after that first half, I'm sure I can't be the only one hoping we could have had some mysterious cancellation instead of the game on offer. Uh, Then we'll move on to another tough week coming up with games against Sunderland and Doncaster. So lots to talk about. I'm going to need a panel to do that. First up, it's Russ Fern. Hi, Russ. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the crew game in a minute, I guess. Now, Russ, you are connected with the Fan Hub 100 through us, but also through your Man On blog. Uh, yeah. What's going on with the Fan Hub right now?
1: Well, the Fan Hub, uh, well, hub organisation have just released the early access sign-up to their new app. The app should be dropping around the end of November. It's going to be a really, really amazing way to reward fans for the dedication that we we all do on a basically a daily basis really but um it's gonna be a great way to reward the fans with prizes and an app, an app that's interactive a way to store your details of how you've traveled miles thousands of miles over the years to watch your games and um, predict lineups all this kind of stuff you can find my uh content on there stuff that i've written for FanHub and loads of other great other um journalists and stuff like that so um, if you go on, well, I'm sure Railway Men have tweeted out the, uh, the link to it as well. But if you go on Twitter, yeah. on my Twitter, on the, Man Hub, uh, the, Fan, sorry, the Fan Hub Twitter or the Man On Twitter, you'll be able to find the link there and sign up to the early access for when that's released.
0: Perfect. So it's really just a way to reward people who, you know, go that extra mile following their club, go to games, sort of engage with their club. That's sort of the idea behind it, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Cheers, Ross. Uh, next up, we have Steve Dale. Hi, Steve. Hi, mate. Okay. Good yeah, to be I'm on good. again. Yeah, not a problem. Having you back on. Um, you also made your first appearance on another podcast representing us this week. How did that go?
2: It was a different experience because I, I felt I felt like I was um, I was talking because obviously I was talking to people that didn't really know a lot about us, so it was it was it was like an introduction. But yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I've. I've got to say, from a Blackpool point of view, I think they were... They probably thought they were a little worse than what I saw today anyway, so...
0: Yeah, they were quite down when we had them on this uh, podcast last week, and I—I again, we'll get on to it, but uh, I didn't agree with the negativity that they, were happy that they showed. Um, happy to go on for us again next time we need you? Absolutely, anytime. Brilliant. Finally, then, if you're listening to this, then there's a big chance you've already heard him this week on the James Collins episode finally making his long overdue regular season debut, it's Neil Price. Hi Neil. Hi Stu, thanks for having me on. No problem, mum made me. (laughs) Have you had a chance to listen back to James Collins' episode yet?
3: Yeah, I have listened to it. Um, Yeah, he was very good. I mean, I remember on the night he was very good, um, very very open to any questions. Yeah, really good insight, I thought, for how the academy was run and everything like that.
0: Pretty much echoing a lot of the feedback we've had for that. Yeah, he was great, answered everything that we asked him, didn't bat any questions away. If you've not listened yet, do check it out if you've not. There's really only one place to start this week. Unfortunately, it does feel a little bit like deja vu. Russ, what do you make of the latest development in trying to get a game of football played between Oxford <laughs> and Crewe?
1: I saw someone, a Coventry fan, on Twitter talking about how they're excited to see a new rivalry growing, something like um, almost like the Brighton Crystal Palace one. No one really knows where that's from of recent times, but they hate each other. So maybe we could ha- start hating Oxford specifically, Carl Robinson. If you uh, if you ask certain fans, um, it just seems chaotic, doesn't it? No one really knows what's going on. Dave Artell seems to be implying things that are sneaky espionages type stuff, but um. From a fan's point of view, it's, it's frustrating because we're getting a lot of abuse from other sectors of fans from around the country. It's not even just Oxford fans. Wigan fans are piping up. Um, yeah, it's frustrating and chaotic and we haven't got a clue what's going on, really.
0: Yeah. Steve, what did you think of the silence from the club uh, from Tuesday afternoon sort of onwards?
2: Uh, what do you mean by silence?
0: Yeah, there was that very brief comment, wasn't there, on Tuesday and then nothing until yesterday's uh, press conference.
2: Um, I think uh, I think Dave Artel said himself didn't he, that they had the extra rounds of testing, so they're probably waiting to um, for all that to come back negative before they did uh, say anything. Um, I, I'm not too happy speaking. Say, I'm, I'm I'm a bit concerned that it got taken down. I'm not sure whose decision that was, but that does that doesn't
0: sit well with me that something's gone on there. Okay, Neil, did you enjoy those comments, Dave Artell, put out yesterday in the press?
3: Yeah, it it was um it was quite relentless on uh, Carl Robinson, wasn't it? Even like when he was talking about um, how nice Neil Critchley was, like in his preview about Blackpool, he kept re- sort of referring to him as being a nice, decent person.
2: Genuine bloke thing,
3: wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was quite. I, I don't think I've ever seen a press conference where someone lit. I think fifteen minutes of just pure anger at Carl Robinson and Oxford. Of how they handle things
2: I've just it, got an image myself if it, happen, if, if, if it happens again and it gets called off I can just see, I can just see him going full Kevin Keegan on in <laughs> the 90s
0: I, um, I really think it's building this rivalry like Russ said between a, two clubs 100 miles away when no fans are allowed into the stadium it's, it's going to be a cracker when it takes place isn't it
1: I'm glad yeah, it's,
3: it's, I'm glad it's like the away the,
1: game
0: it
3: will be like the uh, John Terry, Wayne Bridge, will they shake hands? Things like
1: <laughs>
0: before,
3: before and after the match, would not it?
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. To be honest, I think they'll they'll stalk off away from each other. Two the two characters being what they are.
2: He he needed a rather at this level, didn't he? Because it isn't in 2 anymore, and he hasn't got Marmion. So I suppose he's, he's picked his target in Robinson.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. No Vale, no Stevenage. Yeah. Let's move on to a game that did take place this week, then. Um, my initial thought was it was the, uh, the strongest team for us possible with probably our strongest bench so far. Would we agree with that, Russ?
1: Yeah, by by um, looking on paper, it was uh, almost foolproof on paper, but um, they didn't play like that, did they?
0: No. Um, do you want to talk about that start? So, oh, well, I've written down
1: in my notes, sloppy, and I think that's... Um, Quite a good word to sum it up. Just passes going going out of play. Just, just too far ahead of the man. So they're having to stretch and then it breaks up the flow of the game. But you've got to give a lot of credit to Blackpool, really, because they came out fast. They came out strong in our faces. They did everything they had to do well to nullify the way the crew play, the way the success that we had against Wigan and, and MK Dons. They did exactly what they didn't do, really.
0: Would we agree with that, Steve? It was... Uh... Blackpool playing well with good tactics, rather than crew playing poor, maybe.
2: Yeah, especially in the first half, I'd agree with that. I think obviously Christian knows us, and yeah, he had the he had the press button in the first half, and we struggled to get hold of the ball for like long periods of it. And I've got I've got to say I, I was I was very happy to go in the break nil nil. I know they didn't create many chances, Blackpool, but we could have very easily been behind on the balance of play.
0: Yeah, I mean that's sort of what I had jotted down. That they did have all the possession, they had all the territory for, especially those first twenty minutes. I don't think we were in the Blackpool half. But again, Crew aren't really allowing teams to create a lot, are they? They do seem fairly solid at the back.
3: No, I mean I would say like their only chance in the first half was like our cock up, which when it was like passed back from um,
2: Beckles left it. Yeah,
3: yeah, Beckles left it, and Yaskaline had to scramble across. That was like the only chance that they sort of that looked like a goal in the first half.
0: Yeah, I did think um, someone quite obvious to pick out, CJ Hamilton. He had a good game, didn't he, for them? He put Pixie under pressure quite a few times. He
1: was, yeah. he was good against us last season for Mansfield as well, though. So when I saw on the team sheet that they had Jerry, Jerry Yates on the left and CJ Hamilton on the right and Gary Medina up front, to be honest, I, I was a little bit nervous.
0: Yeah, I think possibly we were a little bit giddy from the Wigan game last week when we uh, yeah. we were talking them down and talking ourselves up. But the reality is they had a very good team. now Speaking I. Of Medin, just on that point, sorry. Um, well, I, I keep trying to find any. I keep trying to find anything in Luke Offer that
2: makes things got to improve on. So today was good. As soon as I saw he was up against Medina, I thought, right, this is his biggest challenge. And again, he didn't look phased. I don't know if he's ever gonna make a mistake or do anything wrong, but for playing for say he played against Gary Medina, he looked comfortable, so <laughs> what else is there to say on him?
1: The way he's adapted from under twenty ones and being a loan out at Witten to then being a League Two starter and now a League One starter it is just is incredible to be honest. All the other not... Academy boys below him, they they'll be looking at him more almost more so than what Kirk and Amy did to he's the way he's the example of how to go straight into that starting line-up and affect it positively.
0: I'm not sure we've really talked about this either before in the pod, but um, I think part of the reason is last week we started <laughs> talking about Luke Offord and then, Russ, you told us your Sunday league team or your five, 7
1: weekend side team
0: were terrible. <laughs> and uh, that was it. We moved away from Luke Offord. but I don't think we've um, talked enough about the fact that he's not really a centre back, is he? He's never played centre back until Apparently the, end not, of the no. first team. He's
2: a right back, isn't he? I can only go off Football Manager, but he's always been a left back on there. So uh, well, there that, that's that's as far as my knowledge goes on him. But I don't. Well, judging by the size, of him, I can't imagine he's played too much of that in that position.
0: But he no, looks like he's... he's been playing there for years. He reads the game so well. Like he he, he cuts out. So many chances before they're allowed to start. That's what he does so well, isn't it?
1: He's probably helped being under Eddie Nolan because Eddie Nolan was that sort of stopper. Like he, he always came out of defence to, to stop the uh, the through ball going through while someone else, usually Nottingham, loops back behind him. So he's he, playing under Nolan's probably helped that side of his game almost.
0: Now I, um, I thought we came into the game uh, when we switched. Kirk and Powell, I say we, when Artel switched Kirk and Powell flanks. um, (laughs) it's we, we're we're all in this together. (laughs) So they switched flanks and they didn't really create any big chances, but we did start to sort of play a bit on the ball. And, you know, Powell had that shot when he shouldn't really been shooting from there. But I think just snatching at anything at that point. Um, But again, when when halftime went... It was quite a boring, quite a dire game, wasn't it? Easily the worst half of football so far this season.
1: Especially when you've just come back off the back of watching the Merseyside derby, which was absolute chaos, and now you've gone, you've gone to Crew, and it's all it's dire stuff.
0: Yeah, we will I mean, we'll not go into the Merseyside derby because then we we'll end up talking <laughs> about VAR, and no one wants that.
1: Oh no, there's a reason why we uh, we support League One sides. Yeah, no, I would say one thing as well that I, I think it's been
3: undermentioned is like. With obviously what happened at Oxford, obviously all the players had to sort of go off and self-isolate and everything like that. So they're literally been zero prep. I think they probably went back into training yesterday, but they wouldn't have been at the club since Monday, I would hazard a guess. So I think realistically, when you look at all that, I don't think they've done that bad
0: of a job. So maybe we're being slightly harsh on them.
3: No, I mean, I think I think it's a combination of everything, really. I think Blackpool were really good. Um, but then also, I think, like, with us not really sort of training, not probably not knowing how Blackpool necessarily play and, like, working within that in training, I think, obviously, that has probably been a factor. I mean, I'm guessing the, the players would have got sort of sent emails and stuff about how to deal with like Pixie would have got about sort of CJ Hamilton and stuff like that. But I don't, they, it's harder than sort of
0: it would have been to so probably work on the training grounds, I guess. Oh, that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's get on to the second half then started off with a few half chances. Steve, do you want to tell us about the goal? Um, well, uh... Yeah, uh, Harry Pickering's
2: ball was probably the first time all game we've been able to get through, which, again, is a testament to how well they played when he got through free to Ainley. Um, Lovely. I, I could watch that pass all day. Yeah, I could. And, and again, it goes back to my point, I, I still think he'll be the first one to go to better things, but I hope that doesn't happen for another 10 years yet. So, um, <laughs> Manjohn just seems to be everywhere at the moment, doesn't he? Everything seems to be going for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got that Charlie Kirk did exactly what a winger should do he gets out wide, he finds some space to cross it in. I don't know where Mandron got that time and space from because he didn't have that at all in the game other than that two seconds to volley in. I think it went through the keeper's legs, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: I believe so, yeah. So yeah, one nil, excellent, starting to come into the game, thinking let's push on now. Russ, sixty first minute penalty. Was that for you? No. I well
1: no, I was going to say no. I think Mand, Mandron's gone for the ball, but it was the one on Ainley, but I think he's he's gone for the ball. and It's just almost just a coming together. To be honest, I couldn't tell you which way was Ainley in front of the man or was the man in front of Ainley. Yeah, it was just one of those where they've collided in the box and there's not enough in it for me.
0: Um, I, I wouldn't have personally given it. So Yeah, no, um, yeah, I agree with everything the lads have said. Stonewall penalty for me. He's pulled really? him back when he's about to tap it in. That was it then, really, for Crew. They didn't really offer too much after that, did they? And I, I, don't think, as toothless as the final ball for Blackpool was, I don't think it was a massive surprise to see them equalise.
3: No, um, you did. You definitely sensed that coming, didn't you? Like the goal, like it. See, seems like typical sort of Crew. And I don't know whether it's it's at us with our eyes. Like when we scored, we just seemed to sit back, and it was like as soon as we were one 0 up, it was like, oh, we're going to concede, and. The more and more, I think like that five minutes before we did actually concede, it was, yeah, it's going to be one all soon. And yeah. Was was. it their
1: first shot on target? Because they had nine shots in the first half, zero on target. And I can't really think of, because we started arguably the better side. So It was the
0: free kick, but I think that was afterwards, wasn't it? Where he sort of just chipped it back to Jaskolainen. But I think that was after. So it's a possibility.
1: I mean, you can't blame the keeper for the goal. It was a, it was a cracking volley from Grant Ward. Sloppy defending, look, but a lucky bounce. I think Medin tried a back heel, was it? Came off the shins of a defender. Yeah. Two men then threw, threw themselves in front of the ball. But sloppy sloppy before the goal, but the actual, the actual finish was, was pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think we got away with it, though, didn't we, Steve? A minute before they had a corner which we just really struggled to clear. And then it, it was the same again for the goal.
2: Uh, yeah, I think that's that's definitely the case if I remember. It. I remember it rightly, but but again, is is that only is that the first goal in four games? If we're going to make going to make two mistakes in four games, I think I'll be very happy with that at the end of the season. So yeah, yeah
0: it's what true. it is. Now, did everyone enjoy the uh, scintillating football that went on from about the eighty-first, to the eighty-fourth minute?
3: <laughs> yeah, it was interesting up. listening listening to the audio. I guess. <laughs> It sounded probably more exciting than it was, but yeah, obviously, iFollow went down, didn't
0: it? Yeah, not for the first time. (laughs) Issues with iFollow again. It really is annoying when you're paying money and this is the only sort of chance people get to watch their team and it just doesn't work. I didn't know iFollow had gone down. Yeah, about three minutes, last 10 minutes.
1: I had a bit of buffering when it was going out for a corner and then I watched the corner come in and then I had a bit of buffering about a minute later. But other than that,
0: You've got no superior problems. Wi-Fi over in Chester, maybe, Russ. Oh, well, we haven't. <laughs> Trust me, we haven't. <laughs> Overall, then, guys, what do we think? A good point or two dropped?
3: Yeah, good point. Um, obviously, it probably seems worse because we were leading and conceders. Um, if it was the other way around, we'd be absolutely buzzing now for a point, I think. But, um, yeah, we definitely only deserve one, uh, not three.
2: Steve, agree? I think as we stand right now, it's a good point, uh, especially the way we played. But I think time will tell, I mean, we've got four tough games now, so I suppose yeah. that. I suppose after that, we'll see. We'll look back whether it's a good point or not. But as we sit now, I'm, I'm quite happy with how it turned out.
0: Okay, Ross, in agreement with the two?
2: Yeah,
1: I agree with what they've said. I think um, if you looked before the game, what were they? Were they 23rd or 21st
0: in the? 24th, anyway. I believe.
1: Yeah. I think before the game, if you told us we'd have drawn 1-1, one, one, it's a bit, a bit meh, but then after the game it's definitely a point gained, isn't it really? Because we were pretty, pretty poor all time.
0: Yeah, I'd say, especially after that first half performance, to get away with anything today I think we'll take that, we'll move on to Tuesday. Yeah. Now, there's no game for the women's team this week, but they will be back in league action next Sunday when they take on Tranmere Rovers so we'll hear from them then. Like I said, it's a tough week coming up for Crew. They've got two tricky away games. First up on Tuesday night is a trip to the Stadium Alight. Now, following a 2-0 away win at Swindon on Saturday, they're up to fifth. They haven't lost a game yet this season. This is going to be a tricky game, isn't it, Russ?
1: Yeah, I've got, I've got four words written down. Gutted, we can't go. What an away day that would be to so Sunderland on a Tuesday night. Not ideal, but if it was on a Saturday, then definitely. But stadium are like big ground for this level, big too too big of a club for this level. They're they're not as good as they used to be. They've still got some tidy players though. I've been like Lyndon Gooch, who's a very good player for this level. Chris Maguire, dangerous player as well. They've just brought in Danny Graham, I think, from um, from Blackburn, who tore us apart when we played them. Was it two years on the bounce? We played them in the cups and uh, drew three three and lost some scoreline. And he was, he was very good for Blackburn, very handy at the championship level. So he, sh- he should be dangerous at League One as well, you'd think. Um, yeah, it's not going to be an easy game at all.
0: Uh, Neil, you're up in the Lake District. I presume this is one you would have travelled over for in different circumstances. Are you uh, in agreement with Russ? It's quite an annoying trip to miss out on.
3: Yeah, very much so, because obviously you've got a nicer city down the road and we could have had a night out in as well. So, um, yeah,
2: <laughs> 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 missing out on we?
0: Yeah, Middlesbrough's <laughs> not that great, Neil.
2: <laughs> I thought he was talking about Carlisle, to be honest.
0: <laughs> Beric on Tweed. So, Steve, you in agreement? It's going to be a tough one, yeah?
2: I mean, yeah, Suns underway any time going to be tough. But I just think it's a tip- this is a game that a typical crew Alex side will go and get a result at. But we just, we just do surprise the odds when we go to big teams away it is more so when we're on a bad run of form and we have got a game like that coming up and we get a point or something but it is the sort of game where we can we normally turn up and do something at I'm, I'm not i'm not going to predict that we are going to on a different note but <laughs> i'm not going to predict we're going to do much
1: either but what with what Steve's saying there I'm thinking um Sheffield United away where Ryan Lowe came on in the cup and scored in the what was it the 89th minute then went to added time and he scored again we picked up a, ro- a result and um, could do something I mean, not in, not in extra time, obviously, because we're in the league. But we could pick up a late, late equaliser or a late win or something like that. that would be very tidy.
2: I was thinking of the Preston game when we were, we were bottom of the league and they were the top and we won 2-0, I think. Brad Inman scored from 25 yards. That's, yeah. that, that, that's the game I was kind of thinking about when I said that. Well, you can think of that game too.
0: <laughs> um, so we'll do predictions later, but I have a feeling I can guess what you guys are going to go for as always we do have our view from the opposition today they don't really come much bigger as fan podcasts than these guys though if you've seen the excellent netflix show sun until i die then you'll be familiar with the Roka report i spoke to them to preview the tuesday game Okay, so I'm joined now by Niall from the Roka Report podcast. Thanks for coming on, Niall. Hello, mate. All right, no problem. Thanks for having us. Um, So, like I say, you are from the Roka Report. Now, normally we ask people some general questions about their podcast. With you guys, I imagine there's a fair few crew fans listening that are already aware of you. But just in case there's some out there who haven't watched the show on Netflix, could you
4: tell us a bit about the Roka Report? Yeah, yeah. So the Roka Report is a, a... Based fanzine, um, like yourselves, we um, we operate in a podcast format, and um, we, op- we do obviously writing articles um, and all that. Uh, yeah, we've been around. we well, were founded in two thousand and eleven, I think, and um, kind of just taken off from there. We've had some big guests. We've had the the current owner Stuart Donald. His first ever interview was with Roker Report, and um, which obviously brought a lot of sort of media and attention and stuff like that. Um, and we've had a you know, we get a lot of ex players. and um, we have had a few current players in there as well and stuff like that. So yeah, it's um it's just like I say, it's it's a genuine platform for support as to, you know, not not just for ourselves who who, you know, go on podcasts or write articles. It's for, for anybody, anybody can write and what we report and and give their view and um you know, yeah. So it's basically just a, a way of voicing your opinion really. And um, yeah, for, for our fans to, to listen to what we have to say as well.
0: Great. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what I'm trying to build here. I don't have the 10 year legacy that you guys have got, but we started in June. And I said, if anyone wants to come on, get in touch. And so we've done two episodes now with ex players, one's a journalist uh, so that covers the club. So, yeah, I mean, listening to what you guys are about, it's sort of where I would like ours to grow as well. So it's great to have you on. Um, now, I think it would be silly of me not to ask questions about Sun until I die. How did the podcast end up being featured on that show?
4: Yeah, it was just, um, they just got in contact. Um, They contacted uh, Gav Henderson, who's our chief editor, and just asked if, if they could, you know, record some of our podcasts, which is, which is what they did, and um, the person who was um, doing the podcast when, when it was recorded was was actually my uh, my little brother. So it was good for him to get involved as well. And obviously, he's he's had a little bit of uh, publicity on Netflix, which was which was good. But yeah, it was um, just as simple as that. And like I say, there was a few podcasts as well because obviously, something what we do have a, a few uh, different platforms. So there wasn't just us on there. Um, but yeah, it was it was obviously great to be involved in it and. You know, it was just unfortunate that the, you know, the 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 series was a bit of a, a letdown for people in the sense that something never actually achieved anything while it was on. So that was a bit of a shame. But yeah, it was um, it was very good for us to to be involved in it.
0: No. I mean, if I'm sort of, without wanting to annoy you, but from a neutral's point of view, I think it made for better TV with the fact that it didn't quite go to plan with everyone there. You know, it, it didn't really have that Hollywood ending that you'd expect and that possibly made it more compelling viewing, possibly.
4: Yeah, no, I can see that, of course. I mean, it was obviously at the the very first episode um, of season one. You've got Lee Catamall saying how, um, you know, he, the club should push on and get promoted, and and we end up finishing bottom of the league. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, I think obviously from a neutral perspective, it, it it will it would make good um good watching. But I think as well from a neutral perspective, I think obviously when you get the the Charlton game for the playoff final on the on the last episode, I think virtually everybody would expect something to win that and get promoted and ended on a bit of a a bit of a high, and we ended up conceding a ninety third minute. Um yeah to, to get beat so it's yeah it, i think it, it meant that a lot of neutrals and um, kind of ended up feeling sorry for us in the end rather all other than getting on our side but you know these, these things happen netflix they're they're not recording anymore they have stopped now so there will only be two series right um so yeah hopefully hopefully people who did enjoy the the series can can keep in touch with the club you know and and. Follow the club, and a follow us. Woke or Paul have, and so have the the club itself offered. So I think the publicity wise, it hasn't done too badly. Um, and you are obviously you're going to get stick off, you know, off the likes of your rivals. And I think every single home game, um, you know, the fans have, have been singing "We Saw so You Crying" on Netflix and stuff like that. So <laughs> that that stuff that we kind of uh, anticipated, and, and we knew that that would that would happen. So yeah, it's um. Yeah, like I say, it it was an interesting couple of years, and it was an interesting uh, space to watch. Um, but yeah, it's I'm I'm kind of relieved that it's that they're not right. Uh, I'll just ask you a couple of questions
0: more then on that, and then we'll move on then because it sounds like you've you've had enough of the, the yeah. Netflix talk by now. Um, did you think it was a fair <laughs> Did you think it was a fair representation of uh, the club or for the podcast even?
4: Uh, yeah I think um they made the club look as big as what the club is i think um you know it was they uh, spoke to a lot of fans and and you could see you know how big the stadium was they got some good views of the stadium and stuff like that and obviously speaking to the fans after the games and stuff it I think it was it was a fair portrayal of, of, of how the club is um you know it, it is a big club it's it's not a big club in a, in a trophy sense or anything like that it's a, it's a big club. In a in a sense of you know it's got a big fan base it's got a big stadium it's got a fantastic training ground, um you know it it is a it is a worldwide club summit. I mean Kevin Phillips's famous quotation is you know it doesn't matter where you are in the world there's always a Sunderland fan there. So you know it, it 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 is it is big. Obviously we're not as big as the likes of Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool. We're we're nowhere near that, but but we're still worldwide. We're still a big club, and I think it did portray that on on the series.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm out in Dubai. I've I know that there's um the, or there used to be before COVID and everything like that. Uh, the there's a pub in Dubai of Sunderland fans where they all go and watch the games together. And I only know that because one of the first people I met out here was a Sunderland fan. So what you're saying absolutely rings true with me. Um, so did you think that the show changed your listener numbers, your subscribers? Did you see a, a notable rise from that? Have you got more uh, exposure from
4: it? Um, I, I mean, I. Uh... I don't have any actual access to listen numbers or anything like that, but um, I know that we did gain a few followers from it. Yeah, we, we did get. Yeah, we we did. We got we got quite a bit of publicity from it at the time. Um, you know, I was I was constantly getting text messages and stuff off Sport and, and stuff like that. And I went on Talksport to to speak about it, and you know, there there was a lot of interest. Um, even even just going. You know, like, I I used to live abroad myself when when it was uh, premiered. I was living in France at the time, and I had a lot of people coming up to me saying, oh, something, yeah, yeah, if I was wearing my shirt and stuff, you know, and people kind of knew who we were and said that they'd watch a documentary. And, you know, I worked with people all over the world, um, and there was, like I say, people from from everywhere, you know. There was a a lad I was living with who was a Plymouth Argyle fan. Um, He was one of my work colleagues, and he he had said that he, uh, you know, he didn't, Realized how big Sunderland was. Really knew they were a big club because when the Premier League, but he didn't know just how big they were until he watched that. So yeah, I think um, I think it's you know we we have gained a, a few. I, I think people might look out for our score for our score a little bit more than what they used to um, in that sense. But I don't think it's. I, I wouldn't say it's kind of made us you know this massive global club that everyone now has a has a thing for. I, I wouldn't go that far. Right,
0: excellent. Let's move on to on-field matters then. How has the season been going so far?
4: Yeah, um, it's been it's been a good start for Sunderland. They've, um, we've only played five games because our game against um, Blackpool got called off last week because of international duty. We had we had too many players called off, um, so Phil Parkinson took the decision to call the game off. Which at the time it's frustrating because we've been. At this level, but like two not last season, the season before where where at one stage we had about four games in hand, due to that, um and you'd rather have the points on the board than the games yeah. in hand, certainly at this level, so I think you know it, it was a little bit frustrating when that one got called off because people don't want that to happen again, but when you actually looked at it, I mean something we've only conceded one goal this season, and that was a penalty um. So and it was in the second minute of the first of the first game of the season. So nice. it's you know, our defensive record has been impeccable. Um so I don't Phil Park and so I just don't think he wanted to and you know, it, it not he didn't want anything to disrupt that. Um and you know, Tom Flanagan was away and there was a, a few other players, uh ArbyHumageli was away. Um, you know, and and like I say, I I just think he wanted to keep it how it is. So yeah, we um that one was called off. So yeah, we've we've played five, won three, um, and drew two. So we're still undefeated and, and we've only conceded one goal, as I say, and, and that was a penalty. So yeah, it's it's a good start this season. There's there's not been really any attack and flow in football. It's kinda of, it's very defensive, um, at Sunderland. And that's the manager Phil Parkinson is, you know, he, he virtually got Bortle Mondras promoted from this division defending. <laughs> you yeah. know, he, he defended the way then. And I think that's what he's gonna do with Sunderland. Um you know, we'll, we'll look very, very organised. Probably the most organised I've seen from any Sunderland team in a long, long time. Um, every player seems to know their job. We've got players who are slotting in and doing well. We have had a lot of injuries at the back, which is which has been tough. Uh, the player I just mentioned before, RBH Jamadli, he's he's been ruled out for the for the season. He's a brand new signing. Um, he's a Kosovo an international, and he got injured. He got injured on international duty, which is a massive shame for for him. Um, and and for us as well. So we've lost him for a season. Um, we have Morgan Feeney, who's a, a centre half, who we signed from from Everton. Um, he's he's injured for three months as well. He got injured a few weeks ago, so that's a bit of a shame. Denver Hume, who's been one of our most consistent players for the last sort of year year and a half. Um, he came through our academy. He's he's picked up an injury and he missed the Swindon game at the weekend. We're hoping he's going to be back sooner rather than later, but we're kind of just waiting on him. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we've had a few injuries in and around. Um, Jordan Willis got injured on Saturday at Swindon. We're, we're still waiting for the the scan results on that. So that that you know, hopefully that's not going to be too bad. It would be it would be a disaster for someone to lose him as he's been absolutely fantastic ever since he signed. Really. Um, from Coventry last season, so yeah, we you know it's it is imperative that we keep him fit. But we have just signed Dion Sanderson from Wolves on loan, who comes in uh, highly rated. He, he was on Covent, uh, he was on loan at Cardiff City last season, and um, he's a centre back, and you know he's he's supposed to be very good on the ball, and yeah, we've we've got him for, for a season, and, and Wolves play the same kind of formation as what we do, so hopefully he can just slot in in know his role. Um, so yeah, so there's there's positives, there's negatives. Like I say, injuries isn't great. We've had Tom Flanagan who was suspended because he got sent off against Charlton, but he's back for the Crew game um, on Tuesday, which which is good. So yeah, like I say, it's it's just it's been a very defensive start of the season, a very organised start of the season. Um, we haven't scored that many goals, um, but but we've still been winning games, which is the most important thing. And, and keeping clean sheets is, is vital at this level.
0: Excellent. I mean, that's an incredibly thorough answer. You've answered my next question before (laughs) I've even answered it, which is who should we be looking out for on Tuesday night, best players formations? I think you touched on all of that there. So I'm going to ignore (laughs) that question. I'll ask you another one instead. You've mentioned it's a very defensive team, very well drilled, very well set up. Um, Could you care less if you win every game 1-0 and you get promoted, but it's sometimes a little bit boring? Is promotion the only thing getting out of League One for Sunderland this season that
4: matters? Oh of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I say we, we as a club and especially with the, the wage cap and everything coming in, I think it's it's imperative that something get promoted this season. Um I do think, you know, the way that Sunday's set up, I do think if it's not this season it, you know, it, it, it is gonna happen in the near future. Um we obviously missed out the first year, like I touched on before, to a, a playoff final uh, last minute goal, which which was a, a pretty hard to take. And then last season, we were um, we were it was obviously points per game, um, and there was one win in it. And and if we had have had one extra win one game other than a draw, we we would have gotten in the points per game. Um, and the season got ended when we were only three points off second place. Yes, we had played one game more, but we you know it's still far too tight to to call it on points per game, you know, for me. So, yeah, it was it was tough to take. So, yeah, we, we need to go and, and defend him for every game, which I think it is something we'll do this season. I think we will defend what we're to promotion. Um, if I'm being honest, I think we we played against Peter Bratt, who are another team who are, you know, probably going to be up there. Um, they'll be there or thereabouts. They're a very good attacking team. And like you say, we, we ended up, winning the game 1-0 wasn't the greatest performance but it was very good defensively and you know I, I don't know if you've seen Peter by yourself but you know they're very good going forward they're, they're fast they're strong they've got some excellent players for this level and, and they recruit really well and you know we, we, we contained them for the entire game and, and they never really you know looked like they were going to score they had a couple of chances but but nothing too you know too scary and, and Sunderland ended up winning the game so yeah it's 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 one of these where you just think if 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 that's the way that we're going to play and if that's what we're going to do, that's fine. Because the only scary thing is Jack Ross tried that a couple of years ago. Uh, the first time, the first season of League One, Jack Ross tried it, and and we ended up drawing a lot of games. I think this team has got a lot more in them. Like I touched on before, the back four looks incredibly strong. Bailey Wright, for me, is the best defender in the division. Um, and it's, it's an incredible signing that we've got him and he's just been colossal at the back for Sunderland um, this season. So, yeah, I, I think that probably is what will happen, if I'm being honest. And, yeah, I'll, I'll take it all day long. Excellent. Um, thank you for that, Niall.
0: That was uh, incredibly detailed, incredibly informative. I'm sure people listening at home would agree with that. Before I let you go, uh, our friend of the pod, Luke, has come up with a Sunderland versus crew quiz. Would you be up for having a go at that?
4: I'll have a go, but I think we've only played each other
0: about eight times or something. <laughs> oh, well, that's question one, Niall. So, um, how
4: doing that?
0: <laughs> yeah, how many times have crew of Suttonland played competitively? Uh, there is multiple choice, it's five, eight, or 11, and it's competitively rather than league. That'll be my clue for you there,
4: right? Okay, um, yeah, well, I'll go for the highest answer. What was it, 11?
0: Yeah, yeah, so it's eight in the league. One FA Cup, one League Cup, and we have played each other once in the Sherpa Van Trophy. All right. Uh, so, yeah, one out of one so far. Um, who has the upper hand in terms of results in those 11 games? Uh, Sunderland. Yeah, it's overwhelmingly Sunderland. Eight wins, uh, one draw, one crew win, and then crew have also won a game on penalties. So, yeah, overwhelmingly Sunderland at the moment. Uh, this one's a bit of a trickier one. When was the last time we met and what was the score?
4: Oh, um, I think uh, we've just been researching it and the lads were talking about it in the, the group chat this morning but I kind right. have just ignored it um, <laughs> was it I, I can remember I remember we beaten crew 3-1 um, at the stadium like that season I think we played you three times because we played you in the cup I think it was something like 3-3 and we got beat on penalties but that would have been in the League Cup, so that would have been earlier. So, yeah, I'm going to go with three-one, three-one to Sunderland.
0: Okay, I think that must have been the home game for you guys because it is 1-0 to Sunderland. Uh, it was at Crew oh, that right. one. Uh, it was oh, the 12th right. of March 2005, so it's been a long time since we've played each other now. <laughs> yeah. um, we normally have a question on our player who's played for both teams. Today, we're going to look at um, young Billy Jones, as he's known at Crew. Uh oh, right because at the same, we had two Billy Jones at the same time and he was the one that came through the academy, so young Billy Jones. Despite this nickname, what season is this in his career?
4: Um, Billy Jones, oh, I reckon it's going to be, well, he, he'll be about 33, 34. I'm going to say if he started when he was 18, I don't know. I'm 15? Is it his 15th season?
0: You're close. Your logic was pretty sound. But he actually started playing for the Alex first team when he was 16. So it's his 18th season. Yeah. Is it? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Pretty good longevity there. Um, Finally, then, our last question. The only time crew have beaten Sunderland in 90 minutes was on the 22nd of November 2003. Why were all the four stands at Gresty Road singing the same song that day? And an extra point, if you can name the song. Oh, nah, um, I will give you a clue I gave you the date The date is important The 22nd well, of November 2003
4: um, I've, I've got no idea okay. I remember the game I think we got hammered Yeah it was
0: um, 3-0 to crew It's the only time we've ever beaten you in 90 minutes But yeah, Shall I tell you the song and see if you can get it from there?
4: Yeah yeah go on The
0: song was Swing Low Sweet Chariot
4: Oh, England won the World Cup. Yeah. yeah, so it was the
0: day England won the Rugby World Cup at okay. eight o'clock in
4: the morning, I think, that morning. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was in Australia, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not a bad effort there, though, now. Well done. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Thank you very much. Before I let you go, what's your score prediction for Tuesday night? Well,
4: I mean, it, I think Sunderland should, should win it pretty comfortably, but the thing is, Michael Mandron, is is coming back and he um you know he he left Sunderland in 2016 after he only made three appearances for us but he came back um it was the last game uh, where there was a, a crowd at the stadium like before the before the pandemic and he scored he scored two but his his second one was a 96th minute equalizer and had he not scored that we uh we we would have <laughs> got the in the playoffs two points per game so um yeah that's that's the one thing because he's he's a good player and you know he's a good he player. He started so off on obviously. fire for us. Yeah, he's he's a you know he's a very technical player and and he seems to be one of these that on his day you know he can he can be a bit of a bit of a world beater at this level. So that that's my one concern is Michael on man, John. Obviously, you put, I know you'll have other players which are threats, but is that so? I, it wouldn't surprise me if you got a result in and he scored, uh, but. I, I do think it will. It should be a uh, comfortable. I'm going to say. I don't really like doing predictions, but since I'm on the <laughs> podcast, I'll say. I'll say three-one Sunderland. Perfect. Well,
0: I say perfect, yeah. not the result you've just predicted, but as in, thanks a lot for coming <laughs> on. That that was uh, excellent. Really appreciate All right, that. Man.
4: All right. Thank you okay. very much. Yeah. Thank you for having thanks.
0: us. Yeah. Not a problem. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Um, have you seen the Sunderland Till I Die, Neil? Uh,
3: yes, uh, very good. I enjoyed it.
0: I would recommend it if you're listening at home. Obviously, get to the end of today's podcast first. If one tricky trip to the northeast wasn't enough, we'll be heading in that direction again on Saturday to take on Doncaster. Now, we're obviously recording this before their game at home to Ipswich on Tuesday night, but they had a great win 1 0 away to Portsmouth on Saturday. They're also pushing for the playoff places. They're up in seventh. Steve, this is also going to be another tough test, isn't it?
2: Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. It's two very tough games this week. Doncaster for me is the one game I didn't, I don't want us to lose this season. I've, 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 one of my friends from Uni is a big Doncaster fan, so me and him will no doubt have some banter about it uh, this week. But can we please not lose this
0: game? <laughs> for me, they're always a bit of a bogey team. Um, Russ, is that the same for yours? Or are you too young to remember that time period where they just seemed to beat us every single time we played them?
1: Well, I'm, I'm probably too young for the time you're referencing, but I, c- I can reference the time where Callum Saunders came on, scored a 90th-minute winner, then we conceded, and then we conceded again, and we lost.
0: They've just seemed to got that hold on us. I'll, I've never forgiven or forgotten the Johnston's paint. Area final when we were on our way, I think it was not I th- outside. we were on our way to Cardiff, I believe, rather than Wembley that year because Wembley still wasn't finished. And then, oh, I can't talk about it. It was so upsetting. <laughs> One of the worst nights ever. Yeah, I was at uni then, and I was with some uni mates. Crew on telly. I'd convinced people that no, you don't want to go out. You want to watch Crew in the John's, uh, the whatever. What was it called at the time? Johnston's Paint, whatever. Yeah. Ldv vans. Uh, convinced people they wanted to watch it. And then they just had to put up with me being thoroughly miserable for the rest of the night. Just no fun whatsoever.
2: We all dream when Varney and Lowe scored, though, didn't we? Was it? Yeah.
0: Well? I can't remember. I've blanked out my mind now. I just remember sitting on that sofa utterly dejected.
2: I've hated Jason Price ever since that night, though. I've, I've never yeah. ever, ever... I've not even been able to look at a picture of him when, when one's appeared in an article or anything. <laughs>
0: Um, With the Doncaster view from the opposition, I couldn't find a fans podcast. So if it does exist, I do apologise, but you guys do need to make yourself more visible online. I did manage to catch up with Sean Lockwood, though, who is the head of marketing and communications for the club. Here's what he had to say. Hi, Sean, thank you for coming on. No problem, thanks for having me. Um, normally we get people on from different podcasts or blogs to come on and talk about their club, but you're a little different. Do you mind explaining to people what I mean by that, please?
5: <laughs> That's probably one of the nicest things people have said about me. A little bit. <laughs> uh, so I'm um, the club's group head of marketing and communications. So at Doncaster Rovers, we also have a Doncaster uh, Rovers League uh, and the Bells women's team as well on site, and we we kind of have our fingers in a few different pies as well. Um, I kind of oversee the marketing and media um, for for the group. Excellent. So it's
0: more like the Doncaster the Doncaster group of is it the women's team? I saw you the rugby league as well. You're involved with.
5: Yeah. So we've got um, the Dons, which is the rugby league team. Um, we've got the women's team, the Bells, who um, dropped a few of the divisions with the with the kind of foot of the women's game historically uh, over the past recent years, but historically have. You know, one of the oldest uh, teams around, and and one of yeah. the counties really. Uh, we we took them on about a year ago, just over eighteen months, um, and actually their manager um, Andy Butler is of course one of our uh, one of our players. So yeah, it's a it's a close knit family. Okay, I know
0: as well on your um, Twitter bio that you're involved with the Rugby League World Cup. Nice. It's probably the wrong audience to talk about that, but. That's something that I would love to spend, you know, two, three, four hours talking to you about how that's going to happen next year with the current pandemic. But I'll save that for another time. Um, Are you a Doncaster fan then, Sean?
5: Uh, Liverpool fan, um, in all honesty. I have been since I was a a little boy and one of the first games I watched on TV with my dad was a Liverpool game with with the likes of Barnes and Beardsley and Rush. Um, But I've been at Doncaster on and off since 2008 a couple of years, spent a bit more time with uh, my family. I've got two young children, who you'll probably hear in the background at some point, I would imagine. Uh, I came back about three years ago now. Okay, so you're fairly
0: well embedded in Doncaster. Then you know quite well what's going on there.
5: Uh, yeah, I'd like to think so, but okay, who knows? It's
0: <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> yeah, um, so maybe a little bit more objectively then than some of the podcasts we get on. How have they been playing so far this season?
5: Um, not been too bad actually I mean we the first game against MK Dons first league game against MK Dons um, was was a bit of a labour in all honesty I think that's fair to say um, but then we had two really good results against Charlton and Bristol Rovers uh, the 1-4-1 I think the final score was in both games uh, lost at Wigan 1-0 um, which again was a bit of a disappointment uh, but then Yesterday against Portsmouth, a good 1-0 victory uh, away from home against a team who will probably be up there at the end of the season as per as expected. So
0: do you get the sense that the fans are happy with what's going on at the club right now?
5: Yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism, um, particularly with the work Darren's done in the summer, um, rebuilding the squad, in all honesty. Um, he's had his first long transfer window, I suppose to speak, because he joined us quite late last summer, as in 2000 and 19. Um, so didn't get a lot of time to kind of rebuild the squad after Grant left to go to Hull. Um, has managed this year, he's kind of been obviously with COVID as well, it's it's been even longer, I suppose. But um, we've kind of we've cut our cloth accordingly. We've we've not been too risky in terms of giving long term contracts. We've got a few lone players in the squad, um, brought a few in on three, but I think actually there's there's a good sense of optimism about the the players that Downs brought in. Uh, young, enthusiastic, want to play football and hopefully that'll that'll do as well over the course of the season. So,
0: over the season then, what's the goal within the club? What are fans hoping for? You know, obviously fans tend to be a little bit more optimistic than uh, the club. Well, maybe they'll be more outwardly optimistic. Um, Is the club aiming for promotion? Is this about consolidating, building a base for next season? What's the goal for Doncaster?
5: we always kind of aim to say we want to be there or bouts in the top six um we budget wise we we you know we're there's always somebody in league one as, as you'll know who um has a lot of money to burn to try and get out of the division um yep. in the case historically even when you consider the two sheffield clubs that were in league one a few years ago um and again it's not too dissimilar this year um so we're we're never going to aim to to kind of have the budget to be um, top dog and automatic promotion because it's just there's a lot of money to kind of throw it at it and particularly this year more than any other year that's that's going to be very risky business with with fans not in games and, and revenues the clubs kind of slashed so we'll we'll try and aim for that top six um, two years ago we obviously made it out of the playoffs thing against Charlton who obviously then went up last year. Obviously the season was curtailed early. I think it was about six points off before the before the points per game in with a with a game in hand. So we was there or thereabouts. And I think that's kind of the end this year. If we can um we can get a good string of games together and some good results. Top six will will hopefully be the aim, and then who knows what happens after that. Great stuff.
0: Um can you tell us then um about f- what we should look out for as fans? What what are Doncaster gonna um or how are Doncaster going to play on Saturday? Like formations, who are some of the best players we should look out for?
5: Ah, uh, to, to be honest, in in terms of formations, um, Gavin sometimes mixes it up every now and again, but we've you know it, it tends to be four at the back and um, lone striker up front with with players on the wings and kind of coming in, which is kind of the traditional formation, I suppose, in the modern game. Um, in terms of best players, we've. We signed some really young, exciting uh, players at the moment in time. I mean, Josh Sims played for us yesterday against Portsmouth from loan from Southampton oh. and he looked really good. Uh in his first game for us. Um at the back, we've got a, a good solid defense um with Anderson and Wright. Um and and then with the full backs as well and versicondo from uh, Stoke as well. So yeah, um and then in terms of midfield, um We've got some nice creativity coming through, and obviously we've got uh, James Coppinger, who um, is always one to to have a bit of skill who comes onto the game or starts. And, and yeah, elder statesman, but but still. How you know, old is he
0: now? Do you know? Because he seems uh, to have uh, been there for about forty years.
5: <laughs> yeah, seventy-three. Uh, no, <laughs> he's thirty-nine. He, he has said this is his final season. Uh, he signed one more contract. He's, he says it's his final season. Um, right, okay. We're just hoping that we can get fans back in the stadium before the end of the season and, and he gets to, to play in front of them one more time because it would be disappointing if that's not the case. Um, yeah. Particularly after all the years of service, it's, it's rare in terms of getting players who stay at one club for so long. Um, and yeah, it'd be nice to, uh, for everyone to say good goodbye to each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hope that it becomes the case. Now, Sean, um, we normally do a quiz between um, like a Doncaster crew quiz for the, if it was a podcast or someone from a blog to come on. But as you're not a Doncaster fan, I think it's a little bit unfair to give you a crew versus Doncaster history quiz. So we're not going to do that. But
5: I was going to say, I would lose that. So I'll <laughs> just forfeit that altogether. Oh, it's
0: only it's you against yourself. But um, yeah. I can <laughs> still lose, don't worry. <laughs> um, but instead... Before I let you go can you give us a score prediction for Saturday
5: oh you know what I'm always rubbish at scores we usually have a pre-match meeting and everyone goes around the table and gives a score and I always say something like 7-5
4: right
5: okay uh, we'll go a little bit different so we'll say 8-3 8-3 to crew Uh, unfortunately not no I'm I'm going to go in for the home team on this occasion sorry no problem Uh, thanks a lot for coming on Sean (laughs) not a problem thanks for having me okay cheers
0: thanks bye Last part of the show then So that must mean it's prediction time Um, We still don't have any results For the Oxford game So that one is still pending Um, Stephen Rush You were both on last week And along with Tim You all went for wins Mm. So unfortunately Your PPG has gone down I'm never getting a point am I? Well Rush you're down to 0.4 Tim Tim Tim's still leading, but his has dropped down to 1.2. And, Steve, it's good news, bad news, because, good news, yours didn't go down today, but that is because you're still on zero from your three games. Um, I know you do work love in me progress. mentioning that.
2: We're work in progress.
0: Yeah. Now, Neil, you're also currently on zero points, but you have had zero games, so you can go first. How do you see the Sunderland game going?
3: Um, I'm going to go for a very rare... Um, nil nil. Ooh. I don't think both teams got strong defenses. They haven't scored that many whilst they've been winning. Uh, they haven't scored that many. So I'm going to four, yeah. I think, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they scored today, so obviously. Right. Looks now.
0: Giving away your workings might be uh, mean you get copied, Neil. If you're going to go first. Okay, so you've really sold it for everyone to pay ten pounds for that one on Tuesday night. Then it'd be a nil-nil draw.
2: <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Steve? I'm going to go for a 3-2 Sunderland win just because I think it'll be a very attacking game and I, I think it'll suit us with the
0: way we play on the break. So I think we'll score. But And if you're predicting a Sunderland win, it's not going to happen.
2: Yeah, definitely. 3-2 Sunderland. <laughs> I'm staying on that.
0: Russ?
1: I factored in your working out there, Stu, that if um, Stephen says, says it's going to be a defeat, then we'll win. But I don't trust it. I don't trust crew because we're all pessimistic. I'm going with a 2-1 Sunderland win.
0: Fair enough. Um, Let's move on to Doncaster then. We'll go reverse order this time. So, Russ, start us off with your thoughts on Doncaster game. It's away, isn't it? Yeah, they're both away this week.
1: Right. Um, We'll go with... I've got James Coppinger and he's a nightmare. And they have got John Taylor. He's also a nightmare. 1-1. Okay.
2: Steve? I'm going to go 2-2 draw.
0: Okay. And Neil? 1-0.
3: Um, I'm say 1-0 to Doncaster, though.
0: Yeah. To Doncaster? Yeah, unfortunately so. Okay. A couple of things, then, before we sign off. Project Big Picture was unanimously voted down this week by the Premier League. Is that a good thing, Neil?
3: Yeah, brilliant news. <laughs> I think originally when it came out, um there wasn't much information, and i don 't know it seemed dodgy to me because the the certain clubs wanted to give more money out to play less games and i couldn 't work out why, but obviously they want the the votes don't they, and they want that intel so they can sort of say what goes in football and also as well, I want to say like the current top six hasn't it's not like it's always been this top six. Like, like in the eighties, like Ipswich were up there, whereas they're in League One now, and Man City were sort of in League One, and now they're like obviously one of the top six.
0: Yeah, I heard that argument as well. In you know, since the eighties, if you're if you're going on the top teams, it would have been Everton in the eighties. Forest had their spell in the seventies. If you take that away, then you're taking away a big part of football that you can dream that it will be your team one day. Charles Grant had a different view on Five Live, didn't he, Steve? Did you catch that?
2: I didn't catch his interview, but I've, I've kind of got half an idea what he said. Me, personally, okay. though, I, I was totally against it, so I was, I was delighted to see it rejected.
0: Russ, are you in agreement with the two guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think Charles Grant was uh, looking at the money side of it, wasn't he? More than the actual integrity of the sport.
0: So I was listening to uh, another podcast this week, um, the Totally Football Show, I think it was, and they were saying for teams like Crewe, League One, League Two teams, it's actually not that bad of a deal. But for those teams who are not the nine in the Premier League, so Wolves, Burnley, et cetera, and the teams in the Championship, it's a terrible deal. Um, I think the main thing is with that is, as Neil said, that we are going to be the top six, the top nine forever. Let's accept that and let's move on. Um, but I also think that argument is missing the fact that if the Premier League drops down to 18 teams, the Championship's not going to have 26. And neither's League 1, neither's League 2. So we would have to lose two clubs. So there's going to be two clubs made into a non-league club because of this.
1: It's just, it is a, it's a, it's a, just a, such an obvious power grab that they just want to make what they think is their sport even more so their sport. If you cast your mind back to, um, I can't think how many years ago it was, but when Bournemouth were just having Eddie Howe and they were going into finance, they nearly weren't a club, weren't they? And suddenly now they were a a fairly established Premier League side for a couple of seasons. You wouldn't ever get any of that type of magic and that dreaming and that hope that all of us in League One and League Two have that one day it could be us that are getting mid-table in the Premier League (laughs) Or, or pushing even further and having that dream that we can go up the pyramid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm in full agreement with that. And I think, crucially, what was missing was the B team. Now, they have the right, if they had, if this had gone through, they would have had the right to change this. And I think for lower league football fans, it's something we absolutely are dreading because they're not going to let it lo- drop these people, are they? These people running these big clubs.
3: No. And uh, one thing I would say as well about the, the proposal is that, it was likely that a club could have 15 loans and can you imagine a, like a, a squad that was just built up of complete loans like in league 1 like you they could potentially you could have like sort of rochdale do a a deal with sort of man city and essentially that's what that would turn out to be like rochdale would be man
1: city's b team ripping the heart and soul out of football
0: yeah i just don't understand b teams why it's such an issue that we have them we have under 23 competitions that's your bt competition it's been shown that absolutely zero people are interested in watching a b team football match if you look at attendances at the under 23s if you look at attendances in the efl trophy nobody cares about a 20 year old man city reserve striker if he's playing for the first team with the history with the prestige with all of the things that go along with that, then people are interested, but nobody wants to see a player who may or may not play for Man City's first team in a league structure. That's the thing that really gets me, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was I was arguing with a with a Chelsea fan the other day on Facebook, and he was saying that he loves the um, the EFL Trophy and saying it's the best thing, and the JPT was terrible, and no one took it seriously. And now that Premier League B teams are in it, and there's more money in it, that every 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 league one and two fan loves it. And I was just like, your head's under a rock because he was saying about how it's allowed him to go and finish off the 92 grounds. He's not I don't think that's going round to the 92 grounds because if you go to Gresty Road and you're sat with 250 other people watching Chelsea's B-side versus Cruz team, which is quite a lot changed from the weekend, that's, that's not proper football for me.
2: Never been a gamer, I never will. That's my stance on it. I don't think I've ever been a game either.
0: Should we move on? Are we all good? We've got that all our systems. Yeah. (laughs) Okay then. Lastly then, contracts and transfers. Um, two significant bits of news. Well, one bit of news, one bit of non news really. First up, Super Tommy Lowry signed on for another two years. How important is that, Ross?
1: Very important. Very important indeed, because uh, Perry and Ryan Wintle are running down there, well they're not running down their contracts, but they're getting towards the end of their contracts. I think in the summer, both of them are twenty four aren't they so they can go for free? Two more years of Tommy Lowry very important. Pixie um signed his contract a few weeks ago as well. keeping some sort of core together in case those two players go is really important.
0: Yeah, have we come to the conclusion now, Steve, that uh, we are going to lose Wintle and Perry in the summer?
2: I really don't know Um, I would be I think I've said elsewhere that on a normal circumstance I don't think that they'd have been here this season and I also don't think they owe us anything either so they did choose to move on in the summer but it all depends on whether they feel they do owe us especially in Wintel's case given where he's come from
0: I'd say the argument for Wintel giving a bit back to the club would probably be a little bit higher than Perry just for what you say, like where he's come from and where he is now uh, and the work the club's gone into that. But then, you know, the club has worked hard for Perry and G. Both Pete Morse and James Collins mentioned that Perry is not the best natural footballer. It's hard work and coaching that's got him to where he is. So I don't know. I can see both sides of the argument. But I personally think if you're an academy player, then you know how a system works. You know why the academy is as good as it is. I do feel there's a little bit of... I'm going to go against Pete Moss. I do think there's an obligation that you help that out for the next batch, the next bunch of people coming through.
1: Would you not argue that leading the club to a second-place finish under weird circumstances, but still we finished second place and got promoted, is almost repaying the club and, and staying until the twenty four Because a lot of players, you know, you're looking at your Max Claytons and George Coopers and that kind of player, all go a lot sooner than that, hunting that dream. Do you not think it's time yeah. maybe to let Ryan Wintle and Perry NG and chase that dream?
0: Yeah, I, I'd say like I do understand both arguments. And for Perry NG, as great as he is, I mean, you've heard me talk about him before. I think he's wonderful. But we have got Travis Johnson now who's knocking on the door and he's going to want to start playing first team football. And normally he probably would be our first team right back by now if Perry hadn't stayed this long. So I do see both sides of the argument. But... Maybe I'm selfish. Maybe I want the promotion and I want the money.
2: There's two sides to the argument, like you say. There, there is one where is is. I don't know how many games Perry's played for us, but does that is the amount the amount of money that he's cost us in like in wages and stuff compared to an outside player? Is that is that been will will he then have got his worth by going for free?
0: Yeah, and then you know there's the argument uh, Russ has just but, made as well. But the club also people.
2: can't can't keep doing this where players are moving on for free as well. So. It's a 50-50 situation. I wouldn't be surprised to—I I really would not The way this team's set up and everything has gone for that, I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them stay. But I'll be very—but I, but I can—I I do think they'll both move on.
3: Yeah, no, I think they'll both go. I sort of um, agree with the earlier point Steve made about obviously, like clubs aren't probably going to spend as much money now as well, and the players will know that. So they'll know where in the past, like you may have. So Perry may have signed a contract knowing that a club would come in and it would get Crewe like, some income, but if he signs a two-year contract with Crewe now, he's probably going to play for Crew for the next ten year, uh, two years because no one's willing to pay cash for him.
1: Similar to so the think- James Jones situation this summer then, isn't it? He, he wanted a different challenge and knew that if he'd sign a contract to Crew, no one's going to pay the cash for him, so he had to do it by himself.
2: I think he yeah. also. I think in the case of James Jones, he probably looked at it and looked and looked at it. Is Is he going to guarantee to get in our team? Probably not. Whereas he's going to play every week at Lincoln as well, isn't he? At his mm-hmm. age, so there is also that side of things.
0: Yeah. So no one out the door then when the window closed. Are we seeing that as broadly positive, or should we have sold one just to keep the money ticking over? What do you think, Neil? <laughs>
3: um, yeah. It depends on the offers, doesn't it? I mean, if no one's offered, then we can't sell. And again, as well, you don't want to sell completely on a cheap. But yeah, it's, it's a very fine line. Like it's quite interesting as a fan because it's been mentioned in the past. Like this is probably one of the strongest squads that like I've ever seen. And with the amount of games that we're going to play, with like sort of COVID and the squad's going to be important and I think this is a really good chance for us to sort of push up the top end of League One um, so if everyone's like, and everyone has stayed together I think it's this is our best shot at it
0: agree with that guys? yeah absolutely
2: yeah my my concern is that we'll end up losing I, I, and I know the argument is like I've just made myself where it was a normal transfer window without COVID and everything that on. NG probably would have gone anyway, but but I, I can see it get to the point now where because we've kept these players longer, we'll lose three or four at once as opposed to losing them in stages, which probably would have been a bit more
0: ideal. Yeah, I can see that That's as an argument. Awesome. So I think that will do us for today. As I said, a bumper episode, loads going on. Um, with the fixtures being as they are, it's looking likely that this will be the norm for the next few pods, as I have it as crew are down to play every Tuesday except one until the end of November from now. So it's probably best we sign off there. Stephen Russ, thank you as ever. Thank you. And Neil, glad you finally made it onto our regular pods. Do you reckon you'll be back soon?
3: Yeah, uh, whenever you want me on. I'm, I'm free now, so yeah, I'm good to go.
0: And as ever, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. ding a dang dang a ding a dong, ding Blue Moon.